My title today is The Father Heart of God. The Father Heart of God. Here are some quotes about fathers. One father said, this is an anonymous one, get even, live long enough to become a problem to your kids. I like that one. Here's another one by Lionel Kaufman. Children are a great comfort in your old age and they help you to reach it faster too. And this well-known one, which you may have heard before by Mark Twain, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astounded at how much the old guy had learned in seven years. You know, as parents, many of us here are parents. Give me a wave if you're a parent. Cool. And I'm not only talking to you today, I'm talking to all of us here today about this. But as parents, we tend to parent out of how we ourselves were parented. And we subconsciously reproduce what we have seen and what we have received when we were young. And that can be good or bad, depending on um, what sort of role models you have had. I know when um, our firstborn was about two or three, I found myself saying, do such and such. One, two. And I thought, why am I doing that? And then I realized that's what my parents had done and counting to three. Then I got to three and I had to do something. I wasn't quite sure what to do. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) but I really believe the Lord wants to heal our hearts And he wants to become our role model. He wants to become a father and a mother to each of us. And for us to get this, we've really got to embrace and receive a revelation of the father heart of God. Because only when we really get this deep in our spirit, not just our mind, in our spirit, can we then become a loving father and mother and a loving spiritual mum or dad to many people. Because even if you're 13 years old and you're not a mum or a dad yet in the natural, you can be a spiritual mum or dad. You can lead someone to the Lord. So we're talking to everybody today. The nature of God is Father. And He is a good Father. He is a provider, a protector, a deliverer. He is the source. He is to be the source of our identity. You know, in the natural uh, in our culture, Western culture, we most of us carry the name of our father's line. I was Eleanor Pond of Pond Road, and there were many ponds there before me since 1908, I think it was, or 1910, and there were lots of ponds on Pond Road. Um, you know, that, this is where we get our identity and our name. It comes down through our father's line. And the father has given us our new family name, Christian, which means little Christ a follower of Christ, we are to be like our Father. And the truth is, we have no idea who we really are until we find Him. We're just out there like some hippies from Woodstock trying to find ourselves. And when we meet the Father and get to know who He is, it's only then that we actually come to know who we are. And when we realize we are made in the image of our Father God, then we start to live up to that. But when we don't know who we are, we live accordingly. We live like lost people. We don't live up to our potential. But when we know who he is, then we know who we are, then we can effectively be a good, strong mum and dad to the next generation, a spiritual mum and dad also to those we disciple. And this is our job. This is our job, to be a spiritual mom, a spiritual dad, to make disciples. Because it's not all about us. 
It's about the ones we can raise up. You and I are called to be a father and a mother in the faith. So turn to the person next to you and say, hi, Dad, or hi, Mum, depending (laughs) on what's most appropriate. (laughs) Do you know there's a lack of fathers in our nation? The stat is less than half of the babies born in New Zealand have married parents. Today, more than half of Kiwis are born out of wedlock. Wedlock, that's a funny term, isn't it? You're locked in. It is a fatherless generation. Spiritually and emotionally, we need mums and dads more than ever before. We all need the voice of a father, a mother speaking into our lives. You know, that says in 1 Corinthians, you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. We all need that. And I just want to say, no matter what sort of upbringing you've had, a terrible one, a great one, I want you to know, whatever your natural dad was like, the Lord wants to be a father to you today. Our first scripture, Romans 8, 15b, says, You receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, which means Daddy God. It's an intimate term. Isn't it great to know we have been adopted into his family? And he chose us to be his. And this gives us a strong sense of stability, of identity, of security. No matter what happens on my worst day, the Father's looking out for me. The Father loves me. You know, I've been drawing on a couple of great books this week for this topic. Phil Pringle's book, Healing the Wounded Spirit, is amazing. If you haven't read it, you can. We think it's in the church library, but like quite a few other books there, it's on AWOL, but anyway, if you have it, it'd be great if you could give it back. I have a copy, but I've loaned it out at the moment. Floyd McClung as well, who wrote The Father Heart of God, I have a copy of that you can borrow. He said, time and again, it has been the discovery of God as Father, perfect and reliable, unlike any human parent, that has brought healing and liberty. He also says, do you want to receive the Father's love? Then spend time in His presence. Receiving his love is not like receiving a piece of something. It is the result of being with God. So the Lord wants to be everything to you and me today. He wants to be your father and your mother. And when we have that strong, solid foundation of love, then we will grow and become strong, mature believers who grow up and become like our father, a solid father and mother in the faith. But the thing is, the problem is we can't be that spiritual mum, that spiritual dad who raises up spiritual children, disciples, unless we have let the Lord first father us. There are too many orphans in the kingdom. I'm talking about getting that revelation of the father heart of God. Only then can we fully function in our role as spiritual mum and dad. The Lord wants to be this for you, your dad, your provider, your protector, your coach, your encourager, your guide, your helper, your deliverer, your identity. Will you let him? You know, I've been to enough school reunions to know that children turn out just like their parents. It is freaky. You're going and you think, you have turned into your mother. (laughs) That could be good or bad, depending on who it is. Um, You know, and we can think, mate, he's a chip off the old block, isn't he? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. 
And we want to be like that. We want to turn out like our Father, the Lord God. And the more we hang with Him, the more we will pick up His mannerisms. The more we spend time with Him, the more we will emulate His ways. The more we will capture His heart. The more we will look like Him. The more we will sound like Him. And His voice is one of loving kindness, constant encouragement. I want to have my Father's eyes seeing what He sees. This stuff is more caught than taught. The more we look to him and seek him out and listen to his voice through his word every day, the more we will become like him. We will love what he loves and we will hate what he hates. Now we're going to look at two guys and how they responded to the father heart of God. And I'm going to read it from the screen because um, I've left my Bible out in the atrium. First Samuel 16 verses 1 to 13. This is David's going to look at David and Saul. Right. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Samuel did as the Lord instructed. Oh, Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to... Do a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which of his sons to anoint. Sorry, that one's too small. The other one was good, but it just cuts off the first two lines. So I'll start up here. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord judges, uh, looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Well, he's still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now, I've really just read that bit out as a bit of the story, but the story goes for chapters. And I couldn't read all of them out to you. Now, David was obviously not the favoured child. He was way out the back of the farm when the prophet came calling. He was not presented with the other seven brothers. His father had to be questioned closely before he even called David in to be viewed by the prophet. 
Now, some people think this may have been because David was possibly illegitimate. In Psalm 51, David wrote, In sin did my mother conceive me. But this could just be a reference to the sin nature we are all born with. But some scholars think it may be a hint to his the questionable legitimacy. But whatever the reason is, we can tell that David was obviously not favoured by his dad. And even though David was not loved and favoured by his dad, Jesse, as much as all of the seven older brothers were, David found a father in the Lord. And David wrote about his love for God in the Psalms. 113 of the 150 Psalms are attributed to David. Ethan wrote one, Solomon two, Moses 11, Asaph 11, and the sons of Korah 12. But the Psalms are basically an overflow of David's devotional life. So David's out the back of the farm, faithfully tending his father's sheep, worshipping God, playing his guitar or his lyre, whatever that is, and writing songs and singing them to the Lord. He's out there under the stars. Nobody can hear him except the sheep. And he's worshipping God. Let it rain. Let it rain. He's worshipping the Lord. And David found God to be a faithful father to him. He later wrote in Psalm 27 verse 10, When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. David had a revelation of the father heart of God. He had experienced the love of the father in such a real strong way. It gave him deep security and stability and boldness. And he had to face some hard things in his life. But the security and this foundation of the Father's love got him through. David didn't just grasp God's love on an intellectual level and give mental acquiescence to it. All those hours out there alone with God as his only companion meant he knew the Father's love. He felt it. It was real. He proved it. He had experienced it. We each need to experience the Father's love. This gives us a revelation of the Father's love. Too many of us know about it up here, but we don't really know it in here. We haven't proven it. We haven't experienced it. Experiences with God are really important. Don't let anyone say, oh, it's just an experience, like write it off. That's what we need. We need to have an experience with the Father's love. And you can get that by going on a second God retreat or having a freedom prayer as well. When we truly know God's love, it gives us such security, such stability, more than anything else in this world, more than having a fat bank balance, more than having a number of um, houses that you could move into if you need to, (laughs) more than having lots of insurance, more than having lots of friends. The security of the Father's love. In this book, The Father Heart of God, Floyd McClung, he's a YWAM guy from way back, suggests two practices, write these down, for us to receive the Father Heart of God. Number one, time alone in the presence of God in worship, worshiping Him. Time alone in the presence of God. Number two, underlining scriptures about the character of God and praying them out loud. Now, you could actually write them out. About the character of God, the Psalms has a lot, has a lot of these, like the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. When we get this rock solid foundation of the Father and who he is and his character in our heart, it gives us such a revelation of the Father's love. And it builds a stronghold of truth in our minds. And it builds a stronghold of truth in our spirit about who he is. Now, David's encounter 
with the Father's love set him up for his whole life. He faced many enemies from both inside and outside of the kingdom. But because he knew the Father, he had strength to face any and all battles. The Father's love made David bold and strong. And we see his boldness when he killed a lion and a bear and then a giant. Standing firm in the Father's love set him up for everything. It made him bold and strong. It gave him great confidence. And it can be like that for us too. We have confidence when we know the Father's love. We can withstand attacks of bears, lions, giants, those attacks at work, those attacks in your health or in your finances or in your family. And we can be like David and come out victorious over them in Jesus' name. Because we know Dad's got our back. The Father has got our back. What can hurt me if my dad is with me? If God is for me, who can ever be? against me and he is for us. So we see the Father's love gives us courage and faith. And we don't fear rising interest rates. We don't fear being made redundant. We don't fear not having enough money for retirement because my dad will supply. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He is loaded. My dad's the boss. Tell the person beside you, my dad's the boss. Amen. David didn't just see the Lord as some distant religious figure, as some cosmic force or a theological idea. He had proved God for himself. He knew him well because he had spent hours alone with him. The more time alone we spend with the Lord, the more we will trust him. This is why the devil will do anything he can to stop you from praying. It's really important we have that time alone with the Lord. Because David knew the Lord as Father, he was stable and secure. And this enabled him to be a stable and secure father to his own children and also spiritual father to many others. To 600 discontented, distressed and in debt men who he formed into an army. Later he became the spiritual father to the whole nation. Now, we do know, as we read in the Word, later in life, David had many problems in his own family. Uh, One of his sons raped one of his daughters, and then the other son killed that first son, and then tried to kill his own dad, David himself, and take over his kingdom. And you thought your family had issues. (laughs) These guys are dysfunctional. (laughs) But through it all, David was able to be a wise, loving dad and stay calm and do God's will. And the Lord even compared future kings afterwards to David for generations. And we read about that in Kings and Chronicles. Yeah, so-and-so was king. He was a good guy, but he didn't serve me like my servant David did. He didn't love me. He got rid of some Asherah poles and stuff like that, but he didn't serve me like my servant David did. It was like the Lord, you can hear the longing in the Lord's voice. Man, I just wish there was another king like David who really loved me, who really worshipped me. David set a new benchmark. Now, that was David. That was good news. Now we're going to look at Saul. And you can read about that in your spare time in 9 chapters, 1 Samuel 10 through to 18. Saul was a king prior to David. Saul, in contrast to David, did not know the Lord as his father like David did. Yes, he'd been saved. 1 Samuel 10, it talks about 
um, how the prophet Samuel prophesied over Saul and then God changed Saul's heart. And Saul did have a brief encounter with the Holy Spirit's power. He even prophesied. But the problem was he didn't have this revelation of the Father heart of God. He didn't know the Father's heart. He was not secure in the Father's love. He was insecure. Knowing the Father's love made David bold enough to take on a lion, a bear, and a giant. Because David knew the Father, so David knew who he was in him. He knew, man, I am the son of this amazing Father, so I can do it. But Saul didn't know that. And this lack of knowing the Father's love, this lack of experiencing the Father heart of God made Saul afraid. Saul didn't really know the Lord, which meant he didn't really know who he was. And we see this in 1 Samuel 10, 21 and 22, when they're trying to find him to crown him king, he was hiding. And there had to be a word of knowledge that the prophet got to find him hiding in the baggage. It's not just enough for us to know about God. We have to know him. We have to know the Father's heart. The devil knows about God. We've got to know the Lord intimately, personally. We see by 1 Samuel 18, Saul then started comparing himself to David. He grew jealous of David. He started controlling David, manipulating David. And when we don't know the Father's love, we don't know who we are, we will become threatened by others. We can even perceive them to be competitors, threats to us, instead of seeing them for what they are, brothers and sisters. And instead of loving and encouraging them, we'll be jealous of them and try and compete with them and be better than them and try and manipulate and control them because we will be striving constantly to be the top dog and keep our spot. This all comes out of an orphaned heart who doesn't know who they are because they don't know The Father's love. They haven't had that revelation of the Father heart of God. Bill Johnson said, jealous Christians just don't know who they are. You'd never be jealous of somebody else if you knew who you were. You'd never want somebody else's gift if you knew why you were alive. When we know the Father's love, we know who we are, then we're content to run our own race and not someone else's. And then it doesn't bother us if someone else has more money or a better job or a bigger house or a flash and newer car or a bigger ministry or more people in their connect group than we have in ours. And we can celebrate with others when we are living in the Father's love because we are resting and not striving. You know, Saul wasn't living in obedience to the Father. And he actually even opened himself up to demonic influence. First Samuel 18, an evil spirit would come upon him. This is a sad story. You know, Saul started off, he was called to be king over the whole land. He was born again. He was touched by the Holy Spirit's power. But he ended up in disobedience to God tormented by demonic spirits, trying to kill his own son-in-law by throwing spears at him. He even tried to kill his own son, Jonathan, by throwing a spear at him. And eventually, Saul took his own life. This is a sad story. Saul knew about the father, but he didn't know the father. But David, by contrast, made knowing the father the greatest priority of his life. He was the one 
because he was a worshiper, he brought the ark back, the presence of God, and put it right back in the middle of the city. We see that in David's life, a true worshiper. When God is looking for a leader, he will pick a worshiper every time. How's your worship life? Not talking about Sunday mornings corporately. I'm talking about your worship life at home with the Father. And, you know, David was faithful in the small things. So the Lord made him faithful over many things. He was faithful shepherding his father's sheep. So God entrusted him with shepherding the whole country. David's fatherly influence was not just to a few, but to a nation. But Saul missed his calling. Saul could have been a father in the faith to David. He was his father-in-law after all. He could have loved David and encouraged him and discipled him and trained him and released him and all of those guys in the army that David had. But because Saul had not let the Lord father him, he didn't know how to father others. He was like a guy with an orphan spirit. Saul then, we see it, he struggled with his own children when they were adults, Jonathan and Michal. They both, when forced to choose, chose David instead of their own dad. Let's close our eyes. We've got some personal questions today for all of us, myself included. Right now, am I seeing myself more in David or in Saul? Am I letting the Lord father me? Or am I functioning out of an orphaned spirit, an orphaned heart? Am I resting and trusting in the Father's love? Or am I striving, trying to dictate to things and people and situations? Am I able to love, encourage and father the next generation? Am I able to call out the giftings in them and release them and give them a go? Or am I threatened by them and manipulate them and control them? Do I try and keep them down in their place so I won't lose my place? You can open your eyes. You know, if we won't let the Lord father us and speak into our lives and correct us, then we won't ever be able to successfully raise up others and be that true father and mother in the faith to many others. If we're always striving to keep our own role and title and job and position, then you won't help out that new young guy at work. Well, he might get in line ahead of me for promotion then. Because insecurity thinks it's all about me, always thinking about myself, like Saul. And you certainly won't be nice to that new girl at school or uni because you're thinking, well, she's really pretty. And if I invite her to youth, then the guys might notice her more than me. And then we can really have a problem raising up new leaders. Well, I'm the connect group leader, not you. No, you can't have a go at leading a night. Because if, if you do it, man, you might be better than me. And you might take my job. Then what would I do? Or worse still, they might give you your own group. And you might run a group and it might grow bigger than mine. And then I would feel small. Hello? We want more connect groups. This sounds like kingdom expansion. It's a good thing. Our real job is actually to do ourselves out of a job by training others and giving them a go. That's why we have lots of different people ministering here. Sometimes. I know when Lee started emceeing, I heard people going, who's that guy? I don't know him. That's right, you don't. But now you do. 
because we're giving someone new a go. And that's a good thing. You should come on a Sunday night. We have new people all the time. Tonight, we've got three young professionals sharing their testimonies. It's going to be amazing. We've got to raise up more people. So it's not always going to be the same. Jesus wants his kingdom to grow larger by adding more people to it. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. We've got to start fathering and mothering more children. This is what God is calling us to do. It is our responsibility to set up our children on a strong foundation of love. You've heard me say before, one generation captures spiritual ground, the next generation builds on it. It goes up like that. The heights we attain in our lives will be the starting point for our children. And your children, both natural and spiritual, will run further. They will fly higher than we ever did. And that's a good thing. That means you've done your job well. And if they don't, something is wrong. So we say to them, hey, 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 you get on our backs and we will carry you as far as we can go. And then we've gone as far as we can. Get off and you go further. You go further and we will be cheering you on. And and we've got to realize that our kids will be more qualified than we ever were. They'll get a better job than we ever had. They'll buy a bigger house than you ever did. And they'll do it at a younger age. Mate, they'll earn more money than you ever did. They will go overseas earlier. And our job is not to hold them back and hinder their progress, but to be their cheerleader and encourage them and mentor them and pray for them and love them. In Jesus' name. You might have heard me share this story years ago. Pastor Phil Pringle told this story about this fictitious senior pastor with his youth pastor. So, I don't know if this ever happened or not, but I heard him tell the story. You know what? There was this youth pastor and this young guy was just so called by God. He was so on fire. He was so just dying to preach. He had years of pent up sermons inside him. He was even praying that the senior pastor would get sick one day just so he'd have a look in. And, uh, he was dying. And he said to the senior pastor, please can I preach? Please can I? Can I? Huh? Please can I preach? And the senior pastor got sick of him after a while just asking and asking. So he goes, okay, what I will do is we'll give you one shot at it. We'll give you a four minute communion message and you can do that and we'll see how you go from there. So this guy was, oh, thank you. He was praying. He was fasting. He was in the Word. He got the Word of the Lord. He got up there. He was preaching up a storm. He was on fire. He was casting out demons, doing altar calls. People were going down under the power of God, getting healed. It was revival. Oh, my goodness. And on the way out the door at the end of the sermon, at the end of church that day, the pastor is on the door, the senior pastor shaking hands as you do. As they're going out, God bless you. Have a great week. Yeah, yeah. And then one guy caught his hand and said, Pastor, that youth guy was amazing. You should let him get up there more often. And the senior pastor smiling between gritted teeth. He's thinking that young guy will never have another go here ever again. Because he's insecure. Because he's unfathered. Because he has an orphan spirit. He doesn't know how to raise up more. And we are called to raise up more of a great commission. Hello, go into all the world and make disciples. How are we going to do that if we are threatened by the next generation? A true father and mother in the faith is never threatened by their children. They're proud of them. 
They cheer them on. They love them. They pray for them. They help them. You and I are called to raise up and release the next generation. And if we are not secure in the Father's love, if we are unfathered by Him, we will always struggle to effectively father and mother others. We actually will not be able to train up and release others. We will really struggle to make disciples if we are insecure like Saul. We'll struggle to make disciples if we're not a true father and mother in the faith. How can we make disciples if we will not let anyone else have a look in because we've always got to be the top dog. You know, the devil wants to keep the church small. The devil seeks to contain the growth of the kingdom on earth. The devil does not want you to reach maturity in the faith, to get that revelation of the Father's love, reach maturity and start inputting into others. He does not want you to be a strong spiritual mum or dad. He wants you to stay like a self-absorbed, bratty, spoiled teenager so you don't ever reproduce. Because the devil fears who you are, what you are. He fears there being more of you. He is trying to get you on spiritual birth control pills so you don't reproduce. So you don't produce any fruit. Because the enemy's scared of you. He's scared of your potential. He doesn't want you training up lots more mini-me's. He's already threatened by you. You're already doing amazing things. He doesn't want more people running around. You're already giving the devil a migraine. You're already doing damage to the kingdom. The last thing the devil wants is for you to multiply yourself. So he tries to keep us from receiving this revelation of the Father's love, which brings us security into a place of maturity. And then we can reproduce and be a strong spiritual mum and dad. The strategy of the devil is to stop us fathering anyone. Why don't we stand this morning? There are too many of us are orphans in our hearts. And the Lord is saying it's time for the fathers and mothers to arise. But in order to do that, we've got to let Him father us so then we can learn how to father others. When I say that, I mean mother as well. There are spiritual children waiting right now for you to father and mother them and call out their giftings on their lives and encourage them and pray for them and train them up and release them. There's a lot at stake here. We've got to raise up an army now. We've got to get these labourers out into the harvest field now. But to do this, we need to become strong mums and dads. We need that revelation of the Father's heart so we can be like David, not like Saul. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Father, you're in this place.